Coming up on the Money Beat Show, has the stock market gotten everything expected out of President Donald Trump to talk about politics and the markets? We are joined today by our executive Washington editor, Jerry Seib. This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Welcome to the Wall Street Journal's Money Beat Show. Paul Vini, Stephen Grosser here in the studio in New York City. And we are joined in the studio today, and we're very fortunate to be joined today by the Wall Street Journal's executive Washington editor, Jerry Seib. Took the you took the the Acela up here, Jerry. Took the Acela visit? up. It was flawless. Yeah, and you I'll, came just for this, right? Because this is important enough to get you to come I up. I would. On the trip. It was definitely important <laughs> enough. And as far as I can tell, everybody else in the Acela was coming up for this as well. <laughs> right, right. Well, we'll get to them later. Yeah. We, we don't just take anybody off a train <laughs> on this show, Jerry. You know, we pick. We pick. Very, Thank we're you. very I, diligent. I'm grateful. Yeah. So you know, you look at what's happened since election day, especially in the markets. Right. The markets saw the election. Yeah. They saw which way it went. And they started buying and they rallied sharply and rallied hard for about a month. And then December really waffled a lot. And since the inauguration, I think you've seen the market waffling, too, because the market expected one thing, discounted the option of getting the other thing, and now isn't really sure what it is getting because there is so much coming out of Washington on almost an hourly basis so I guess the question is, and, and Grocer, you know, you have some insight on this too. Like, what what framework is the market? Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it seems like the priorities for this administration yeah. seem to shift daily, and you know, just sort of getting a sense of, you know, what kind of presence here is going to be more yeah. of a typical Republican sort of, you know, uh, tax cuts, deregulation. Um, or is it going to be something else, something we haven't seen, sort of more of the campaign rhetoric that um, that led Trump right. to the – So here's so here's the calculus that I do on this. So Trump wins and I think the markets looked at the, the Trump agenda such as it could be discerned and saw stimulus basically. They saw a big tax cut coming because uh, that's what Donald Trump wanted and he had a Congress – has a Congress that wants it just as much as he does. They saw big infrastructure spending coming. That's a great stimulus idea. Uh, they saw lots of deregulation, particularly in the energy area. And they decided in the markets, I think, to discount the two offsetting possibilities. One was that he would set off a trade war at the Mm -hmm. same time, which would be very harmful, and that the deficit would explode over time and make everything more complicated. There was a third thing I think the market just chose to ignore, which was the possibility that there would be so much political turmoil – that getting the other things done, in particular the tax cut, would be harder than they thought. So what happens? Everybody rolls ahead. The agenda unfolds. All the stimulus stuff looks like it's on track. But then problems with Mexico erupt, and it looks like, well, maybe there will be a trade war here. And the the partisan warfare begins in earnest much more quickly than I think the markets anticipated. And so they're saying to themselves, well, maybe some of these other things aren't going to happen because the atmosphere has become so poisonous. So that's why I think you've had some waffling, as you suggest, or pulling back. And, you know, the reality is there's still a very market-friendly, stimulus-heavy Trump economic agenda out there. How much of it will be uh, realized is open, and how much downside risk is there, particularly on the trade front? That's got people worried. Yeah. When we when you look back at the election, you saw you know the sort of establishment Republican Party very uneasy with uh, Donald Trump, and. One of the things we traders and investors, you know, regularly is how he works with Congress could be really what disrupts him getting a lot of these policies. 
And that is, seems in the last week to get the market really concerned. Right. How much should they be concerned? Is this a new, just like, you know, sort of stumbles of a new administration or is this, you know, something deeper? Well, it, it's definitely different. I mean, I've seen lots of, uh, of transitions now. This is definitely different. And so it's hard to predict. Um, the turmoil is is bigger now, but that may be simply because President Trump decided to come out of the box like on fire and do do way more in the first ten days than anybody else has ever attempted, and maybe that just creates a greater uh, perception of chaos. There's also the reality that he kind of likes chaos because it's you know keeps his opponents off base and. Uh, makes it difficult to focus on any one thing you oppose Donald Trump on because there's so many things going on out there. Uh, so all those things, I think, are are a factor. I think the the underlying reality is that Republicans in Congress, their top priority is to get a big tax cut bill done sometime by, say, the middle to late summer this year. They're going to be, they being the, the Trump administration and the Republican leadership in Congress, they're going to be together on that. That is more likely to happen than not because you can get that done without any Democratic support if you want to. So I think they're going to hang together for the, on the top priority item. And some of the lesser items, um, they're, going to ha- they're going to run into problems because, as I said, the, the atmosphere has become very poisonously partisan already. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned the, the tax cut because I had seen a couple of people opining that because of everything that's already happened and because of how unusual it is and because of how much uh, time and effort and political capital, I guess you say, is being exp- expended on sort of these, you know, social engineering, whatever you want to call them, um, that the idea of tax cuts was actually already being pushed out. The timeline was being pushed out to 2018. But is is that no. not, that's I not, think not the case? No, no, I don't think so. And, you know, uh, I, I think you have to keep in mind here that uh, at a certain point and at a certain level, uh, Republican leaders in Congress are driving the agenda as much as the White House. And in fact, they think they're going to end up driving it more because the White House is a is in a bit of a disorganized state and there's a vacuum. They're going to step in and fill it. And they want to do a tax cut. They have a tax cut plan. Paul Ryan has spent two years in the House working on it. They know what they want to do. They are very intent on getting that done. That is not going to get pushed off because the history of tax cuts shows you better move quickly. Go back to Ronald Reagan in 1981. He did it in the first few months because that's when you have the capital. That's when you have to strike. That's what they're going to do. So I see no scenario in which a tax cut bill gets pushed off beyond this year. They're going to push it through one way or the other. You already see, um, you know, the House moving on deregulation. How much? Um, that's another big thing. You see the small business optimism index soaring after Trump took off, and that's largely regarding uh, you know regulation um, and financial stocks of sort as well. Where does that stand? Is that something that is going to get pushed off, or is that something they're going to try to get done in the next hundred days? It's it's happening already. Yeah. Uh, you know that is the other thing that Republicans can do more or less without any Democratic help. So it happens in two ways. One is it happens at the executive level. You know, um, the the uh, uh, the executive branch runs the regulatory agencies. They just start pulling back the regulations, and that's happening. Now, there will be court fights, and that's the real break on this system, so it's not as fast and easy as people think, yeah. but you can move on your own. The second thing that's happened is very interesting, and you're going to see it in the next few weeks in Congress, is the Congress is using a law that's almost never been used before. It's called the Congressional Review Act, in which they can go back in and roll back regulations that have been imposed over the prior prior 60 days. And that encompasses a lot of things the Obama administration did on the regulatory front. Congress can go in and, by law, roll those back, take them off the books. And they're starting to do that, and they're going to continue to do that some. So there will be some deregulation. But again, the the thing to keep in mind if you're looking for – if you're a business person and you're looking for deregulation is to keep in mind – 
the courts are there to be used and lawyers for the opposition use them and they'll slow that train down, but they're not going to stop the deregulatory train. All right. Let's just take one quick break here. We have a message uh, when we come back more with Jerry Seib. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. Robert Half is here to help. Our recruiting professionals utilize our proprietary AI to connect businesses with highly skilled talent. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I'm Veronica Dagger, and I want to retire rich. How about you? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. We'll help you get there. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Money Beat. We are talking about the stock market and President Donald Trump. Uh, Paul and Steve here in the studio, joined today by our Jerry Seib, who is the Wall Street Journal's executive Washington editor, came up uh, New York City, do some business. We managed to nab him for a couple of minutes. Uh, Jerry, you know, look, 2016 was clearly a, a politically unusual <laughs> year. Yeah, that would be the Right, exactly. Uh, the administration so far has been unusual, as you said. How much should, you know, beyond just, I mean, for this really applies to everybody, but I'm thinking about the markets. How, how much should the markets expect even more things that are seem completely out of the blue. Yeah, I mean, you said Donald Trump seems to enjoy chaos. Uh, I mean, how, how well can a market plan for, for chaos? You, you look, it is very hard to plan uh, to anticipate a path for the Trump administration because his, his strategy as a business leader and as a candidate and now apparently as president is to keep people off guard to do things that create new bright, shiny objects every day to distract attention because he then moves through the chaos, and that's what he does. So I wouldn't think anybody should expect that they're going to have a nice, neat plan that they can count on from the Trump administration. That's not how it's going to work. I think there's a second factor that people are going to increasingly start to realize, which is that because Donald Trump himself and his victory in 2016 uh, was so controversial and so divisive, um, there has been an, a, a re-energizing of the liberal and democratic base out in the country, not in Washington. And I've talked to some democratic uh, lawmakers in recent days, and they're being pushed very hard by the base, uh, the Bernie Sanders base, the liberal base, the anti-Trump base, to be obstructionist, to, to oppose the Trump administration at every turn on every issue. And that may not be what they actually want to do, but they're under a lot of pressure to do it. So I referred earlier to the intense part of, uh, partisanship that's emerged already. That's why. It's because the Democrats are being pushed into a uh, position of loud and uh, constant opposition. And I think that's going to make life more difficult. Again, we go back to the tax cut. I don't think it's enough to stop some things that Republicans can do on their own, but it's going to make life complicated. I was just going to say, from a market perspective, and, and this sort of gets back to what we were talking about earlier, is the market's sort of waking up to this idea that after the election, they didn't. You don't listen to Donald Trump, you, you know, like you know what he's saying. Focus on what he does, but now they're starting to realize that they actually have to focus on what he's saying as he seems to push forward a lot of his campaign promises. Uh, you know, is that is that. Should the markets focus more on what he's saying? It's a good point because, you know, I, I think one of the things that the Trump administration has been about in the opening days has been to say, well, you all said he's not really going to do this, yeah. right? And to show that, yeah, I am going to do it. Now, 
on the other hand, he's kind of run down to the bottom of that list of things he said he was going to do. Because let's face it, it wasn't exactly a policy-heavy yeah. campaign, right? <laughs> yeah. There wasn't a big, long agenda. Right. So not a lot of white papers. Right, exactly. <laughs> so he's kind of getting to the bottom of that to-do list that he promised. So there's not a lot more of this coming. But there was an attempt, I think, and I suspect this came from Donald Trump personally, to say, you have to, you have, I said I was going to do this, you should take me seriously. Yeah. Now, having said that, it is also true that he says a lot of things he doesn't mean. I mean, he's not going to prosecute Hillary Clinton, right? He's not, as far as I can tell, suing the women who accused him of sexual assault, which he <laughs> promised he would do. Promised he would do. So, you know, <clears throat> there's still a category of things that um, candidate Trump promised that President Trump won't do. Yeah. But I think by and large, he wanted to say, you said I wasn't going to build a wall. I'm building the wall. Hey, uh, one last thing before we let you go. And I'm interested in the dynamics down in Washington because at one point during the campaign, it seemed to me that you almost had three political parties. Hmm. You had the Democrats. You had Trump slash Tea Party Republicans and you had traditional Republicans. It it seemed there was a real cleavage there in the GOP. Uh, If Trump, if President Trump remains as divisive as he is, I mean, is there a chance that some of these political cleavages will become deeper and wider, and then you get another problem in Washington. Well, you know, I think you put your finger on a really interesting point. So I've kind of viewed Donald Trump, a candidate and Donald Trump president-elect, as essentially an independent. He's not really – he's not a conservative in the classic sense. He's not even really a Republican. He is Donald Trump. And so you had the Democrats and Republicans, and you had essentially an independent president wrote a column on Inauguration Day saying this guy's um, anti-establishment inauguration speech suggests he's the most independent president since Eisenhower. But if you go back to something else I referred to earlier, which is this kind of wall of democratic opposition on all fronts that's developing, that's going to have the effect, I think, of pushing him together with Republicans Mm -hmm. more than might have happened otherwise. And so while I still think he's an independent figure, I think that Democrats may, and they may actually live to regret this, may be creating an environment in which they're pushing Donald Trump together with Republicans who've never really embraced him and who don't really entirely trust him. But in this environment, they may decide they have to hang together or they'll hang separately. Wow. All right. I was just going to get one question. Because um, you spoke about the courts and the, the you know sort of Democrats using the courts and to sort of try to stop some of this, this is a concern. We we sort of like it's starting to sort of rise up among you know strategists and stuff like that, writing about the idea of this you know sort of conflict between the courts mm-hmm. and the Trump you know separation of powers. How much should the markets be worried about that? Obviously, nothing's you know it, it's very early on in that stage. You know, I I think you saw an early example of that in the immigration ban, the immigration, whatever you want to call it. The question whether it's a ban or not has been very controversial in Washington recently. But the immigration order that said, you know, um, no immigration from seven Muslim-majority countries where we think there might be terrorists who want to come in. Um, that went immediately – like by the, the night of the order, it was in court sure. in the court system and it was stopped by four – in di- various ways by four different judges. Right. That I think is a model you're going to see repeated a lot. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a judicial system, which there are, are a lot of Obama appointees now. Um, uh, people on both sides of political debates know how to judge shop and court shop now. Uh, I think there's going to be a big battle in the courts over and over again on all kinds of items on this agenda. And it will, as I said earlier, it will slow things down. Is, is it going to stop things? Most cases not, but it may alter the path. It may slow things down a bit. So I think as people are trying to plan what's this world going to look like, they should plan for some court stoppages along the way. 
We have been speaking with Jerry Seib, the executive Washington editor at The Wall Street Journal. Jerry, I know we told you that we'd only take five or ten minutes, but it was, just, it was, it was too many <laughs> questions we had. And uh, appreciate your time. Well, we're not short of material to work with yeah. these days. That's no, for sure. we are not. Thanks for coming okay, in. Okay, happy to be here. And uh, everyone, thank you for listening, and we will catch up with you very soon. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously.